The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Ben? Ben Kenobi? Boy, am I glad to see you. The Junlin Wastes are not to be traveled lightly. Tell me, young Luke, what brings you out this far? This little droid. I think he's searching for his favorite podcast, but I've never seen such devotion in a droid before. Uh, he claims to be a listener of a Dark Times podcast. Is that a show you've heard of? Do you know what he's talking about? Dark Times podcast. Dark Times. That's a show I haven't heard in a long time. Welcome back to the Dark Times Podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite clone template of Django Fett. And I'm Steven, your favorite orange jumpsuit clad hotshot pilot. Oh, you are. You are, Steven. Oh, thank you. You know, I was an X-Wing pilot for like three Halloweens in a row in college. I was Buzz Lightyear when I was a, when I was a child. Oh, nice. I was Anakin Skywalker for like eight years as a, as a child. For eight years? Yeah, for like eight years straight. I think there might have been like, there was definitely like a 501st Trooper in there somewhere. But oh, like cool. from like ages like three to eleven, I was Anakin Skywalker. Wait, was it like the Phase Two Five Hundred First Clone Trooper where the the mask is just like a fr the helmet's like just a front mask? It was just yeah, it was just a front <laughs> mask. It was actually a phase. It was a Phase Two. Yeah, so yeah. you said yeah, That's what yeah. I said, yeah. It, it was a Walmart Revenge of the Did Sith promotion. It had like the muscle suit or something. It or? was it wasn't much of a muscle suit, but it was kind of <laughs> like, like that. Padded. You, you remember like padded. the Bionicle Halloween costumes? <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of yeah. like that. That's it great. was like that, but it was a 501st. That's great, Steven. I wish this was the Halloween episode. Yeah, seriously. I don't want to talk about Star Wars Halloween. <laughs> I even had a fake braid to do the Anakin's oh, Padawan braid. Yeah, oh, that's cute. It was sick. All right, well. We have some feedback from last week. Enough of that bullshit. Yeah, feedback. Enough of childhood memories. Who cares about those, Steven? Yeah, and everyone knows Star Wars isn't about childhood memories and nostalgia. It's the only thing that's been bankrolling this fucking franchise for <laughs> 40 goddamn years. Sorry. Episode 32 is where Steven loses his fucking shit. I just, I just got off the freeway. I, I had some shit to do out of town, but now I'm back right in the studio. We're good. We're good. We had some feedback from yes, last week. feedback from last week. Lakopic had some great input. A pity you didn't cover stealth from a more gameplay point of view, like how should party's stealth check be rolled using stealth against the party, whether a failed stealth check is an immediate, hey, look at this Jedi, or hmm, what was that sound, etc. I like that. It's very Hitman. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, um, put the, put the Metal Gear Solid thing in here. Do it. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so we were, you know, full, full admission to our listeners. We were a bit of a rush last week. We had some other plans that we were very excited to get to. We were going to a, a an amusement location with our friends. I'm trying to keep it vague for <laughs> privacy. We were going somewhere with friends that we were happy to be. It was a birthday celebration. It was a birthday celebration for a good friend of ours. But we didn't talk about game running stealth really at all. It was mostly a player-centric it was, it was a very player stealth options episode. But now I'd actually like to revisit stealth and talk about game running some stealth. and Because there's, you know, there's a whole lot to stealth. It's great. It's great for uh, skill challenges. Absolutely. So it, it's been a problem. Maybe not a problem. It's been like a thing in RPGs for a long time with stealth. Because, you know. Really hand wave it. Yeah. And beyond the party rogue, it's not likely you're going to have more than one player invested in stealth. In fact, you usually have that shit's relegated to the stealth monkey or maybe even the ranger. It's the same in Swissy. You know, it's not even likely that your scoundrel or your party scout will even care to do stealth. 
But as we talked about last week, Stephen, stealth is really easy from a player perspective it's, to get into. It's pretty easy, and you only need a you know handful of creds to actually get pretty freaking good at stealth. The only thing um, that we like didn't really mention that that does affect stealth rolls is going to be like uh, armor check penalty. Stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I mean, medium or heavy armor are going to have some problems with stealth rolls. Absolutely. And I mean, if you are going to undertake a stealth mission, you probably should leave that clunky armor at home. And I mean, doesn't that penalty only apply if they're not proficient anyway? Oh, okay, then yeah. screw it. Then nothing. There's nothing keeping you from being bad at stealth other than not doing it. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we highlighted some great pieces of equipment last week that easily can, can solve a party stealth problem. Camouflage poncho. Come it's on. A free training in stealth. Plus five to stealth, hand those out to the party. Maybe their sponsor slash commanding officer slash hut lord slash quest giver, <laughs> you know, wants them to undertake the stealth mission and says, here, borrow these stealth ponchos. Get your plus five on stealth. You're good to go. I'm going to need those back, though. They are a rental. Yes. <laughs> hey, there's a deposit on those. There's <laughs> a deposit on the stealth poncho. Bring it back with a stain. He's like, <laughs> it's just a floating stain. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have had that root beer. <laughs> Fucking wing sauce on the camouflage poncho. <laughs> had to be on Meatball Monday. <laughs> There's also the mission specialist feat. These are part of the Galaxy at War uh, team. Well, I guess they're not technically team feats, but they're like they're they're printed in the book next to the team feats. So fuck it, they're team feats. <laughs> they're team feat adjacent. Feats. Yeah. Um, Sam, you know about this one as well. Mission specialist. You are so good with certain skills that others around you benefit from your guidance and example. Choose one skill in which you are trained. Allies who are not trained in that skill gain a plus two competence bonus to the skill when they are within 12 squares of you. This, of course, uh, doesn't apply to use the force checks. But there you go. Between your poncho and maybe your mission specialist feat, if you're the lone stealth guy. That's a plus seven to stealth. Plus seven. And... More than likely, this is Swissy. They probably got pretty hardy deck scores to boot. So things are looking pretty good for bringing your buddies along on a stealth mission. I haven't thought about this, but we haven't really talked about the um, mission specialist feats. Yes. Um, they're really, I've always kind of given them a very cursory look over. I never really invested time into them because they're kind of like, oh, initiative. Like, why aren't they going to be trained in initiative? You know, like, yeah. I don't need, why do I need this? Stealth is probably stealth and maybe use computer are probably the ones where I'd have to take stealth use computer. And don't forget that scouts are the only class that can take survival. That's a good shout, Steven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good scout shout. Good scout shout. Hashtag scout shout. <laughs> God, if you're a scout, you should be trained in survival. And if you're not, why? <laughs> Just, sorry. Why? You're the only one who can. And if you expect that your party should encounter some survival based challenges wink wink nudge nudge gms if you have a scout no wait steven stop we have to pull the we got to pull the veil away G players don't listen gms all you have to do is look at your players sheets see what they're good at and throw things at them to where they get to use those things they're good at with. Um, that's all. That's all it is. There's nothing. There's no writing. There's no like plan. There's no balancing. It is all like, oh, my players got skill focus initiative. I better throw them in a combat. They can feel good about this or, you know, oh, they got skill focus mechanics. Oh yeah. You got the hyperdrive's going to, you, oh, you're going to escape. Oh no. <laughs> like, come on. That's all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> you know, Sam, I don't know. I don't know if you could be more correct 
than you are right now. Um, thank, thank you for, for saying what we've all been thinking this whole time. It's not a secret. It doesn't have to be a secret anymore, Stephen. The GMs have been holding, withholding this information from other GMs. <laughs> On the flip side of that, yes, to give your party encounters that will be a good match for their skill set and that they can feel good about. Absolutely tailor your encounters to their skills. On the flip side... When you want to give them a real challenge, something to really chew on, give them something that only one of them are good at or only none of them are good at. Perfect segue into what I was going to say. If they find themselves in a survival situation, the scout is their kind of their Rambo guide through this perilous wilderness. Perfect opportunity for mission specialist. There it is. Almost forgot where I was going. There. That was dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no. Oh, God, he's rambling. He's I, lost. I was like, uh, I'm lost in the woods now, too. It's time for a survival <laughs> check of my own. He's, he's He missed the forest for the mission specialist trees. <laughs> but yes, uh, throw throw your, your landlubber city slicker party into the into the woods and let the scouts sort of that. Please, please do it. And if they aren't trained in survival. You know, Kitch in, in, in zero, zero Distance, he is not trained in survival. <laughs> He's a scout who's not trained in survival. Yeah, uh, our player, that player built Kitch, and I was like, <laughs> great scout, friend. Um, it, it Just just so you know, scout's the only, like, classic in training in survival. Just, you know, for he's like, no, I don't think I need to do that. And, like, the, the, the Rodian. <laughs> they, get, a, they get re-rolls they on get survival. They get re-rolls on survival. You know, it's, you're missing out on kind of two things here. And <laughs> nope, nope. It's, it's build them just the way is I want Is it because you can't make survival checks when trained? Is that what it is? I, I don't know if you can. Um, the player in question said that we're in space, so we won't ever need to make survival checks. And <laughs> If I'm he's like, ever crashing, Steven, he hopes to die. <laughs> he's not going to survive a crash. His whole plan is to just die. I was like, okay, it. that sounds like something the GM would know and not you, <laughs> but that's okay. Oh, uh, it looks him. like you can make every kind of survival check untrained, including basic survival and enduring extreme temperatures, though that requires a field kit, except tracking, creating a defensive position, and something called extended survival which involves uh, surviving in the uncivilized area for more than 48 hours. Well, if your ship crashes on a planet or a moon, a forest moon, there's a pr- plenty of those in Star Wars. Crash landings moons. never happen in Star Wars. No, you know? never. It's just not a, not a thing that ever occurs. At least he's got the re-roll, though. At least he's got the re-roll. The re-roll's free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, sorry, bringing it back to game stealth. running stealth, <laughs> where we were originally. Another great thing, uh, well, actually, no. I want to I address this. <laughs> Go ahead. How should the party's stealth check be rolled? Lakopic asked. Uh, you pull an average. You pull an average? Always fun. That's a pretty good one. That makes it so the party will probably be harder to detect overall. And if you're running like kind of a Metal Gear Solid, like Dark Forces style stealth mission, like capital S, capital M, cap, well, you know, S and M, anyone? Stealth uh, and mission. Stealth <laughs> and mission. Uh, what could the BD be? Um, bad? No. <laughs> You know, let's not go there. How about Boncho bon- Damouflage <laughs> Stealth Mission? Boncho Damouflage <laughs> Stealth Mission. Fantastic. Yeah, so if you're running the classic stealth mission, you want to, players, plug your ears again. You want to you give the players the, the benefit here. You want them to remain stealthy because it's not fun to gear up for a stealth mission, get hyped up for a stealth mission and then have it botched immediately unless they're being dumb. But they probably let's say they let's say the players are being smart. <laughs> yeah, let's give them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Instead of they're being smart. Yeah, instead of they're being smart. Uh, I mean, I know that in like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, people usually go by the lowest 
stealth mod. Yeah, and yeah, the lo- you can roll a stealth check with the lowest stealth mod in the party. That's another way to do it. That kind of tilts the advantage away from the players, but is another tried and true method of, of achieving this. Um, another way that would probably give the most advantage to your players is I, this is the one I think I prefer most in this situation, designate the party leader for this mission, someone who will be guiding the party through their mission. Maybe it's the guy who's actually trained in stealth. Have him roll his stealth check, and then everyone else gets to aid or gets a chance to aid the stealth check. Oh, I check. like that, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I like to do it because there's no, like, no one fails Yeah, here. You can only, like, fail to aid, which is, I mean, they're missing out on a plus two, but that's not as bad as rolling a nat one on your stealth check and then yeah, immediately sure. blowing it. You could easily do, um, you've got, like, the the average perception roll of the place they're trying to stealth into. Absolutely. And maybe that's like, oh, let's say it's a 30, DC 30. Now they have to roll that adds up to that or something like that. I guess you you kind of scale on how many party members you have. Absolutely. And another thing is, you know, this is a great segue into the, kind of the second half of Lake Hopic's question, you know, is a failed stealth check. Hey, look, the enemy pew, pew, pew. Or is it, <laughs> huh? Like, what was that in the context of like a stealth mission? Then absolutely. I, I lean towards the latter. Like a, a failed stealth check is merely an opportunity to be spotted by the enemy not necessarily mission over mission failure. If you want your whole encounter to fall apart because of a single bad die roll, that's your prerogative. What are you? A, what are you? A college professor? Like pass <laughs> fail? Like that's it? Like yeah, fucking great is the midterms and the final, and that's it. Yeah. Well, you only rolled a five on your stealth check, so I'm gonna have to fail you for the year. <laughs> you have to actually go down a level. <laughs> yeah, as we discussed, that's so funny. As we discussed many times on the show, you know, a failed check is a great opportunity for the encounter to change, not necessarily fall apart. It's a great opportunity to add a wrinkle to the story. Steven, if you're doing a stealth, like a stealth mission, get in, get out, no combat or no combat to be expected. Yeah. You, why wouldn't you just make it a skill challenge? That's you took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. You know, we're describing something that is exceedingly starting to sound like a skill challenge. And that's because a good heist is a skill challenge. In fact, I think one of the example skill challenges for higher level players is a heist. Let me check. CL12 sample skill challenge complexity two covert infiltration. There you go. There it is. Let's let's take a look at this. Actually, you want to you want to you want to take a look at this? Let's check it out. So covert infiltration statistics, CL12, it's a complexity two encounter, uh, which means it requires eight successes before occurring three failures. The primary, uh, sorry, the suggested primary skills for this challenge are acrobatics, DC 21. The heroes can attempt to climb into ventilation ducts or wriggle through maintenance crawl spaces to avoid more attuned sensors, also wriggle. Deception, DC 26. The heroes can try to convince the guards on duty that they belong in the facility despite not having proper identification. Uh, I left it. I left it back in the in the. I was just here with Randy last week and you let us through fine. I don't get it. I listen, buddy, I've got to clean these. I've got to clean these sonic floors. And if someone doesn't do it, then it's going to be your ass. The good old janitor disguise is is tried and true. (laughs) You can't beat that shit. It's always um, it's sorry, but just just really please go ahead. As long as you do it confidently, like who's going to assume you're not you're not supposed to be there, right? Like who's going to stand in the way of the fucking janitor? Like he's just there to do his job. Yeah, he's working his nine to five like everyone else. Yeah. Like, listen, you're off. In 30 minutes. And this guy's got to <laughs> clean the floors for the rest of the night. Like, you're going to stand in this way? Come on. 
Stealth, of course. Here it is. The heroes can attempt to slip by security patrols without being noticed and to pass under security cameras outside the range of vision. That's a DC-26. Use computer, DC-21. The heroes can try and slice into the facility's central computer to deactivate security devices along their route. That's the classic, like, looping the footage so they don't see, like, anyone's going through the hallway. Absolutely. Great use computer stuff in Night Steel Republic, just fucking with cameras or, you know, overloading conduits and zapping security droids. Disabling or my them. personal favorite, just shooting people in a room yeah, <laughs> yeah. remotely. That one always made me feel a little funny. <laughs> like, why were they in that room with the... <laughs> why are these turrets enabled while they're in the room? I'm <laughs> oh, you know. Not very secure. <laughs> The challenge effects for the skill challenge, there's just one. Any hero who succeeds on a skill check by five or more can forfeit that success in exchange for removing one failure. Oh, I like that. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at with the whole failing a stealth check in an encounter like this is maybe create yourself a little slider with four points on it. And every time someone fails a check, that slider moves to an alarm. You know, maybe make it five, maybe make it three in this case, as, as was suggested here. Uh, failures in a skill challenge don't have to be immediately aware to the players. Like, no, they maybe don't it's not. a silent alarm and maybe authorities are on their way, but they haven't rolled four failures yet, so they're fine. My favorite thing to do is to change future encounters based off of player failure and not tell them, except maybe after the session when I feel like bragging about my genius fourth dimensional <laughs> encounter design. <laughs> It's really cool to maybe a player fails a stealth check, catches notice of an Imperial security guard. They don't necessarily find the party, but they take it as a sign that it's time to increase security around the facility. Oh, okay. Maybe like the next that. one or two phases of the facility have an increased presence of security officers or security droids, something of that. Maybe nature. next time the players go back to that planet, the player who failed the stealth check the first time is now wanted because they have footage of them. Committing the crime. Maybe they find that on the holonets is plastered all over their face with a hearty reward. And then the rival bounty hunters on their ass. There, there you, you go. go. That's there's your campaign. <laughs> Fuck, you can take that one for free. You don't got to be on the Patreon for that one. <laughs> Another cool thing. I, I think about the, the inverse of what we're talking about here. Think about encounters that suddenly become stealth encounters. I'm talking about your classic shootout in the streets of Nar Shaddaa. A stray blaster bolt hits a steam pipe. Suddenly, the battlefield is flooded with smoke or steam or whatever particle you feel like rendering that day. Maybe the slicer NPC turns out all the lights on a certain floor of a building. Now we've all got concealment. Now we can hide. Now we have trouble hitting things that aren't adjacent to us. We love dynamic encounters and blanketing the battlefield and concealment or even total concealment if you're feeling particularly spicy is a great way to totally shift the rules of the encounter. Uh, lots of great hazards provide concealment too. sandstorm. It's outdoors. Oh no, sandstorm. Get fucked. Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do about it? Get good, I guess. Yeah, I guess they'll just have to get good. A few more examples. I, I thought about, you know, burst steam pipes already said factory exhaust flooding the room Reactive asteroids in a space combat get hit by a stray bolt and suddenly they're spewing strange ionic gases that, that uh, muddle your ship's sensors. Swamp plants that enshroud the battlefield with an acidic haze. Ooh, ooh, I like this actually. All yeah, right. Tell me. We've got the same party. Same party on the run from a bounty hunter. Okay. They corner them on a desert, like a swamp planet, mm -hmm. like an overgrown, like tropical planet. Yeah. Um, and they think they're going to get the jump on the bounty hunter. The bounty hunter notices them. 
uh, pulls out like a repeating blaster carbine, like just shoots a bunch of like the pools, creating a bunch of steam. Ah, Instant concealment. There you go. And of course, your bounty hunter can take advantage of concealment. The hunter becomes the hunted Ooh, or vice versa. There you go. Pretty slick. Folks, I, I think that's that's all we can talk about with stealth for now. If you have ran stealth in your campaigns, we want to hear about it. Tell us your success stories. Tell us your failures anonymously. (laughs) Yeah. How did your party completely call bullshit on your stealth? Yeah. How did your party serendipitously arrive at an opportunity to to take advantage of stealth? How many scout players have you bashed for not taking survival as a trained skill? (laughs) I'm up to one. (laughs) So this is, of course, uh, the end of our submission period for our, our bounty hunter Bounty build showcase. <laughs> That's a mouthful to say. We have a veritable bouquet of submissions. This bouquet. Bo- even. Bouquet. Is it bouquet or bouquet? It's not bouquet. That's for sure. It can't be. It bouquet can't be tan, bo- actually. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we were talking about that. The yeah. Bo-Katan and Ahsoka's first meeting the other day. I went home after that recording session, got on Twitter and you I know, saw that on Twitter also, right? One of those Star yeah. Wars facts, like Twitter's was like, uh, Bo-Katan slapped Ahsoka's ass at their first meeting. And I'm like, huh, what are the odds? Um, anyway, we have a lot of builds to get through. So the next, well, rest of this episode will be to uh, highlighting and discussing these showcases. And of course, they will go to the Patreon uh, where we will have another two week round of voting. Stay tuned after the break. Yes, indeed. This is the part of the show where we thank you for your support. Stephen, how can they support the show? Well, the easiest way is by spreading the word, getting out there under your favorite form or mode of communication. Word of mouth is a extremely potent way to recommend the show because, you know, no one's going to click on this freaking podcast. Like, come on. Like, about, it, a, about a tabletop uh, uh, system from 2007? Yeah, no. no, this this is not, we are not everyone's cup of tea. And that's fine because, you know, we love doing what we do and we love uh, being part of, of this community. Another way you can support the show even more directly than that is by giving us money. And the most appropriate way for you to do that is to get on patreon.com slash dark times Swissy and Donating five or even ten dollars a month to our cause. We are entirely listener funded. And luckily, the Patreon does a wonderful job of covering our hosting costs. And if you'd like to help out even more with that, well, get on, get on, getting on. Uh, Sam, what are what are some of the things that folks can get on the Patreon? Well, Stephen, you have a very wonderful hex crawl guide that you've made. Although it's free on Reddit, it's been fully updated with, you know, any mistakes that you have on there you fixed. You've got it all um, stylized in the form of old Swissy core rule books and stuff like that. It looks great. Thank you. And that's fully available as a PDF on the Patreon. We've also got our character pregens around there. If you're trying to get people into Swissy, personally, I'm a big fan of the D&D starter kit. It comes with these great pregen characters. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's super cool. Why don't they have stuff like this for other systems? And so we made our own for Swissy. Absolutely. It's each character is a level one, uh, five different characters, one for each class in the game. And a little two to I think two to four pages, including the character sheet to tell someone everything they might need to know about playing a character in the Star Wars universe. I mean, you sit them down, they read that front and back. And hey, 30 minutes later, you're in the game. Absolutely. Uh, also, more importantly, probably more important than that <laughs> at the moment. Uh, 
all patrons can vote in our bounties. Yes, yes. If you want a voice in selecting your favored build out of the build showcase that we're about to cover, well, my friend, you need to subscribe to either of our Patreon tiers. You will get one vote in the upcoming build showcase during the voting round that begins today. Think of the bounties as a way to keep this community centered, but also help to support the show. Absolutely. Like Steven and I don't have a vote. Nope. We in don't. This. We, we just read what you guys send in and, and that the rest is handled by y'all. We can't pick favorites. Nothing like that happens. Nope. Do we have favorites we don't tell you about? No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> had to think that one through for a sec. But yeah, and you know, most importantly, this... The whole production takes a lot of effort and time. Sam and I both work full time and live in a contentious rental market, we'll say. And so we have to spend a lot of our days slaving away, which doesn't leave a lot of time for Swissy or our passions like this podcast. So when you put a few bucks on the table, that lets us know that our hard effort, sweat, blood and tears and other fluids are being put to good use and creating something that people enjoy. And, you know, you're meager funds do take a big load off our backs and allow us to focus more on things we truly enjoy like you and Swissy and this podcast. This show is our way of making Swissy content when no one else is available to run a game with (laughs) or anything like that. This is something that you can pull up and listen to and be like, well, yeah, too bad I couldn't run my game this week, but hey, a new Dark Times. Absolutely. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE, or you can email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. We dragged this on long enough. Let's yeah. go into the bounty. It's time. Time, Steven. It's time for the bounty. March them out. We open on the bridge of an Imperial Star Destroyer. There is the Admiral there, uh, a man from Coruscant, dressed finely in his neatly pressed clothes, uniform even. He turns around. To face a line of bounty hunters, all of which unique in their own right, and all of which just as deadly. Steven, let's talk about these bounty hunters. Let's uh, let's go down the line, starting at the left side. This is a submission from who else could it be than Suyoshi Ketsu? Uh, Suyoshi Ketsu wrote in uh, with a little quote at the top of his email that I will read. Do you know about the condition track killer? It's not a story the Jedi would tell you from the Dark Times podcast. <laughs> I believe that was our intro quote from like episode five. Five? Yeah. I want to say five. five. Yeah. Balmore in Arms is offering a sizable reward for the return of one of our most secret droid projects. This is an outgrowth of the replica droid project, this time focused on Duros. As many of you know, the original template of the Duros project branch was a Duros bounty hunter named Cad Bane. Unfortunately, too much of Bane's independent spirit was captured in the transfer process, and a prototype has gone rogue. The prototype is currently identifying itself as the real Cad Bane and working as a bounty hunter. This droid is to be treated as armed and extremely dangerous. That's really cool, because like Django had the clones, now Cad Bane has his own For line sure, of replica I like droids. That. I like it. Replica droids are something that, that we haven't seen any of in canon. And that's and okay. in Legends, it's almost always like... <laughs> 70s like sultry women droids you know (laughs) yes this is cad bane with big air quotes he's a replica droid scout three scoundrel three independent droid one bounty hunter one gunslinger one and pathfinder one quite the eclectic mix of classes i think i always like seeing that well it's it's interesting because independent droid is 
very much a cool class. Yeah. But it's unique in the fact that it only has like the prereqs like level three or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You it's, can take it as soon as level four, which is crazy. That's correct. Sue also wanted to know that this build is possible with stock or custom fourth degree droids. Uh, and apparently you actually save quite a few feats if you go with that former option. But they kept a uh, replica droid for, you know, flavor purposes. Uh, this is a classic CT killer with a novel twist. We've got dastardly strike, hunter's mark, and debilitating shot to move a target down minus five steps on the condition track. That's straight to Betty Bye, baby. But how do I aim, ensure the target's flat-footed, and fire all in one turn? Sue noted in great detail that there's three methods. There's sniping, shooting at a distance before combat begins. Uh, Sue notes this is not a stealth build, but setting up a bipod with trick step solves the action economy problem, and the variable blaster rifle with pulse charger attachment deals 31 damage on average before the character's level bonus. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the bipod lets you aim as a move action? I believe that's the case. Let me double check that real quick before we get angry emails all the builds are in the description as well the oh episode. yes freely accessible to anyone you don't have to be a patron to view these lovely builds you just have to be a patron to vote for your favorite preparing a bipod is a move action and then each subsequent aim after you've already aimed normally at the same target is only a swift action that's nice yes yes that's nice compared yeah. to two swift actions that's crazy that's good. correct and if you happen to have the sniping master talent you can aim as a free action once That's per round. That's what I was thinking. And that is the glizzy. The bunker blaster talent and the dive for cover feat. I actually did not know about the bunker blaster talent. Check out the build for more info on that. But this changes aiming to a move action when adjacent to cover. And then you can easily jump to new cover as a reaction with a jump check that Cad Bane here is guaranteed to succeed on. That's a DC 18 jump check. With take 10 plus four ability mod and skill focus jump. Also, this build has skill focus jump, <laughs> which is really fucking funny. Don't see that super often, that's for sure. So, this Cad Bane can jump, hop around cover to save that aim action and make a minus five CT kill work each turn. That's super cool. Yeah, it's a reaction to change to cover. That's super Reaction nice. to jump to new cover. Sue actually wanted to flavor this as use of his cool rocket boots. Absolutely. And I think that's that's more than appropriate. And then, of course, Sue points out if all else fails, you can do the standard two swift action aim trick step and then the specialized initiative sub processor action, uh, allowing you to do all the same stuff you'd normally do for your average CT killer with less spunk, I'd say, but still deathly effective, lethal even. Ben has brought us. Marden Ress, Serayan Soldier 1, Scout 3, Scoundrel 3, Pathfinder 1, Gunslinger 1, and Bounty Hunter 1. Uh, Marden Ress likes to hunt in tight areas, working mostly on the Outer Rim. He started his career as a scout in the planetary defense forces in his homeworld. He fought the Separatists using ambush tactics in the crowded cities and dense jungles alike. When the Empire took over and his homeworld's planetary defense forces was dissolved, he moved on to become a bounty hunter. Preferring to avoid the Empire, he works mostly for the huts, bringing his bounties in alive using his Bothan stun pistol or his Bothan DT-12 heavy blaster pistol. Oh yeah, we love seeing Bothan gear templates. They're great because they just... Extra stun damage is so good. Extra stun damage, baby. Martin's turn looks like swift action for trick step, can reroll initiative twice, once for Saran, once for improved initiative... <laughs> that's great really really good i love two re-rolls you guys faced that hut recently that had two re-rolls on intimidation which just felt mean it's so brutal but it's super cool yeah. also 
Denied the dex bonus. As a move action, you can aim with Pathfinder's Bunker Buster, granting additional die damage and plus one to the attack, like we said, as long as he's adjacent to cover, like we mentioned with the Cat Bane build. And finally, standard stun pistol or DT12 uh, set to stun can reroll the attack at minus two reflex and reroll one damage die. When aiming, he moves two steps on the condition track. He moves his target two steps on the condition track, rather, for debilitating shot and hunter's mark. And when it's flat-footed, it moves minus one step on the condition track from dastardly strike. The extra dice and devastating attack with stun damage move minus two on the condition track. I count five. That's five right there, yeah. Uh, ben also asked, I do have concern about debilitating shot and hunter's mark basically being the same talent, but I did not find anything about them not stacking. Ben, that's totally fine. It's they do stack. Yeesh. If it doesn't say they don't, then it does. Then, then it do. <laughs> if, it, if it don't say it don't, then it do. <laughs> Zenosloth 2022. <laughs> uh, this is a submission from uh, user American Psycho. That's uh Psycho like like the Japanese yeah. word, right? But um, American Psycho. Very. This sounds like someone after your own heart, Sam. Honestly. <laughs> and uh, actually, I was speaking of after hearts. I was a big fan of this character's name personally. Uh, Zubnug Gribgore. <laughs> so happy I get to say that out loud finally is a Gamorrean scout three soldier five noble one bounty hunter one build concept surround your opponent and quickly knock them unconscious having two followers in melee makes your enemy flat footed and liable to end up prone every round surrounded by a gang of raging Gamorreans no fun thanks to the bayonet ring combined with primitive warrior the contact stunner becomes a 3d 10 zapper with the potential to get up to five dice of damage per round if you rapid strike and activate melee assault. Combined with tumble defense and withdrawal strike, there's no getting away from this shocking pig. Oink, oink, oinks my own. Well, correct now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, d- does flanking make them flat-footed or is it just give them minus two? Let me Can't check. Remember. I'm pretty sure. Because one, one is Pathfinder and the other one's Swissy and it's, I gotta fucking remember. It's true. Flanking gives you a plus two bonus on your melee attack roll. It does not make the enemy flat footed. I've been playing Pathfinder so long that that feels wrong to me because flanking and Pathfinder <laughs> makes them flat footed. Yeah. Which, but that means something totally flat footed is totally different in Pathfinder yeah. than Swissy. Yeah. You get a plus two bonus on melee attacks when flanking. That's cool. I feel like I've been forgetting to count that. We don't have a lot of melee characters no, not in at Swissy. All. So yeah. Yeah. I haven't ran a melee character in Swissy since Lyrillus fucking Vaughn. Yeah, our Jedi Mira Luca from our Wyvern Squadron campaign. That's true, that's true. Oh, and uh, Gribdor's backstory, of course. Born to the proud Gribgor clan, Zubnug grew up training for battle and the chance to do his family proud. He took up bounty hunting as soon as he was able, and thanks to his superior, for a Gamorian, intellect, quickly made a name <laughs> for himself. Jabba the Hutt soon took notice and offered Zubnug a lucrative contract to retain his services exclusively for the Tatooine crime lord an offer he happily accepted. As one of the Hutt's top enforcers, Zebnug was living his best life. He regularly brought in young, aspiring warriors of his clan to show the ropes and developed effective squad tactics for bringing in marks alive. Unfortunately, his master's sail barge was destroyed while he was out collecting a debt from a stingy Jawa, and after finding out the name of the villain responsible, set out to bring the famous Luke Skywalker to justice. I love this. That's pretty pretty good backstory. I <laughs> this like guy it. will show... This is like... <laughs> This guy will hunt down Luke Skywalker and he'll be like, sorry, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a submission from friend of the show, Iroh. This is, uh, I want to say Tkuf or Tekuf? Tekuf. I like Tekuf. Tekuf. Let's do Tekuf. Iroh, tell us if that's wrong. 
Tekoff, a Kodru G, Scout 1, Soldier 7, Gunslinger 1, Bounty Hunter 1. Always happy to see a Kodru G. For those not familiar, the Kodru G do have four arms. <laughs> they have four arms. And did you know that their like adolescent life stage is a wolf with eight legs? I think. <laughs> It's this like a wolf. So, this is so legends. It's not even funny. It's like. so great. This was, I think the book they were from was supposed to be like a different, like science fantasy novel, but That's then great. the author got the, like the LucasArts contract and was like, well, I already wrote it. So exactly. <laughs> that's why they're like way different from other star Wars. That's like, great. That's why they have a wolf adolescence. Anyway. Yes, it is great. Iroh says the base idea for this build is to grab the target with an attack roll of plus 15 allotted from skilled grappler and entangler imposing a minus five to the attack roll without natural or light weapons with a swift action. He can immediately use quick cuffs to block one of the arms of the enemy, possibly to do a handrail or similar. Oh, like the, like the wrestling move, (laughs) but also an arm of takeoff would be okay. Now I think we need to call that the GM Fiat. Beep, beep. (laughs) Very good. To rule out what happens when you have an arm cuffed. I personally will rule that you can't use that hand to attack, or maybe you can with a light weapon, but it's up to you. Also, movement can be a problem with a limb handcuffed to a handrail or to the hand of your enemy. GMs? That's interesting. We actually just had a similar situation in our Zero Distance game. Did we? Atorn was cuffed in the back of a speeder. You're right. You're right. I don't remember what you were thinking when you were thinking about how that would play out, but what do you think on ruling that you can't, you know, can I use weapons if I'm cuffed? Definitely not if I'm cuffed to a handrail, that's for sure, right? Yeah, I don't think you can use, if if that arm is cuffed to a rail, then you can't use that arm to to make an attack with a weapon. Like, that, that arm is immobilized. If your hands are cuffed and I'd say a light weapon's fine, Maybe a light melee weapon. I wouldn't allow a ranged weapon because that, that requires like, you know, a little more bracing it. Better. Yeah, a little more dexterity than you probably have. But yeah, I'd say like a something like a baton would be OK, I think. And it, maybe you get a penalty to your attack. Oh, inter- I just wanted to know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're already cuffed, chances are you're already down the condition track. So to, to each GM their own, right? each GM their own. In the next round to cuff can, if the target is still grabbed, disarm him using disarming attack and improve disarm for a plus 27 attack roll versus the reflex defense plus 10 of the target. If he succeeds, he can make an immediate attack with its new toy. Oh, the disarmed weapon, of course, (laughs) as a free action. Thanks to disarm and engage. That's super cool. I would love to smack a guy with his own weapon. That sounds amazing. (laughs) You wrestle the pistol from him and you pistol whip him back. Oh, that's great. If the target's not grabbed, you can grab him again and use quick cuffs on the other hand. GM Fiat squared. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Tekov can go on the hunt for a second target if needed and repeat his trick. If he wants, he can attack with one of his own weapons, a sub-repeating blaster for area attack, a needle with paralytic poison, or a heavy blaster pistol. Quick draw and four hands help him out with that. Generally, one hand is free in order to grab the enemy with one or two hands and have binder cuffs ready. Never Surrender helps on the defensive side, and I like it for the background, but the best choice could be taking recurring success on Disarming Strike to have the plus 10 bonus twice. Tekov doesn't like to kill his bounty. He hates the blood. Some say that he doesn't like to stain his clothes. Most likely, it's because it's less profitable. Most contractors pay more to receive their toy alive. Also, you never know when a prey will become a predator and hire him next. Oh, that's that's kind of a sound business decision. Absolutely. No, killing is out of the question for him, and he doesn't need to. What can you do handcuffed and disarmed? Only voluntarily walk or be led in a force cage 
and be shown around with a repulsor hitch. Some say that he has a collection of over 1,000 weapons, one for each bounty accomplished, and that he can use any kind of weapon and always has the right one ready. It is a myth, but as they say, there is always a kernel of truth. Oh, I almost forgot. They also say he is immortal. Now do you understand who's hunting you? <laughs> I think I think I understand. I love... Oh, also, pleasant surprise when Iroh followed up with a full-on, like, Hero Forge screenshot yeah, of Takuf. Yeah, he submitted a, a Hero Forge screenshot of, of Takuf, which is, is very cool. He looks quite nice. I mean, it's a... It's audio format, so you'll have to take my word for it. But, uh, <laughs> it's in the description. Oh, that's right. You'll see this in the description. It's yeah, scroll all the way down. You'll you'll see. Stephen, and last but certainly not least, in our uh, bounty hunter bounty, one probably one of my favorite jokes we've ever made on this show, Stephen, has been made manifest <laughs> by Lacopic himself. This is the Condalorian Treld, the Condalorian Ogos. A human scout three, noble four, bounty hunter three. I also, I need to mention, uh, listeners, you'll see this in the description below. This is like a resume. Lakopic submitted like a <laughs> fake resume that's also a character sheet, which I, I just, this is, this is a delight. Thank you so much, Lakopic. Let's take a, a good look here. He's got a social security number on here. Got bachelor. Oh yeah, let's see. He has his bachelor of commerce from Coruscant University, Central Plaza, Core 1138. Oh, I like seeing that number there. Graduated in 19 BBY. He's also got a master's degree in human relations <laughs> from Nalhuda's Holonet High School. Graduated there in 12 BBY. Um, he's focused in bureaucracy and persuasion. Talents include born leader, notorious and ruthless negotiator. It says here on his resume that he's a great team player, results driven, good communication skills and impeccable taste in suits. Knows quite a few languages. His standard equipment includes an expensive business suit, an assault blaster rifle, data pad, credit chip, a couple gas grenades. Uh, he's got some customer testimonies here. Nick Michawa, Wirmu Nokili Makrunki from the Hut Glock. Chuba Inkabunga Chikyongi, an anonymous Rodian trader. And Vaxak Sakava. A, a human senator once said about Those are him. some pretty good... That's glowing reviews, yeah, as absolutely. far as I'm concerned. That's great. So, well, this is the Condalorian, folks. Anytime you need a, I don't know, a good starter home in a <laughs> friendly neighborhood, uh, I guess he's your guy. I like the idea that he's got... You know how, like, old realtors, they used to have, like, the gold, like... Like the blazer, like the, yeah, the, the red super blazer. bright blazer. Yeah. yeah. I like to think he has like a Beskar blazer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lakopic, uh, thank you for submitting this. You said that you weren't even sure if it should be featured. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that it should be. Condalorian, folks, take a look for yourself. Uh, fantastic. Well, folks, that's another excellent build showcase. I think that's tied for our most submissions ever. Um, congratulations uh, to all of our submitters. Patreons, do your thing. You'll have two weeks to vote on the winner. So that's until July 31st, 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Get your votes in by then. And then that following Tuesday, well, that week's episode, we will reveal the winner at the end of the episode. Uh, any questions, of course, can be directed to Sam or I at darktimeswissy at gmail.com. Also, if you frequent the subreddit or the discord, uh, it's very easy to find us there as well. Well, Sam, I think we'll wrap up for the night here. Um, Not so fast, Stephen. Okay. You think you're getting out of this one? I was kind of hoping I would. No. It's time for another episode of everyone's favorite game. Name that NPC or I literally kill you. Okay. 
All right. You know, I haven't died yet. No, you haven't died yet. Uh, for the folks at home who may not be familiar, this is name that NPC or I literally kill you. Uh, Sam has selected a NPC from one of the published Swissy books. It's an official stat block. I'll have three guesses and three questions accompanying each to guess the stat block. And if I fail in three guesses, then my life will be terminated swiftly and painlessly. And uh, we'll be setting out a Google form for applicants to take my place as co-host on the show. It's been great knowing you all, and I will die with no regrets tonight. <laughs> Sam's going to start listing off the stat block, and I will interrupt them to guess. Alrighty, Steven. This is a CL10 stat block. We're talking about a medium human soldier seven officer three. Okay. Human officer. Talents, armored defense, assault tactics, battle analysis, cover fire, indomitable, and shift defense one. Sorry, I should mention, this is from the Clone Wars campaign guide okay. also. Guess? Yeah. Is this Captain Rex? Steven! <laughs> <laughs> this is the Clone Commander Rex. <laughs> you can't I can't me. fucking believe you. I can't believe this. Uh, I, I honestly can't. Um, uh, you know how I knew? How did you know? We were talking about the step block last night. We were night, talking about the step block the other day, yeah. I, well, I, I'm like, no, he's not going to guess that. It's too <laughs> obvious, right? Affiliations, the Galactic Republic, Anakin Skywalker, and Ahsoka Tano. Feats, armor proficiency, light and medium, charging fire, coordinated attack, dual weapon mastery one and two, improved defenses, point blank and rapid shot, weapon focused pistols, weapon proficiency pistols, weapon proficiency rifles, and weapon proficiency simple weapons. This is a, you know, pretty basic, like armored dual pistol build. Ain't bad. It's Rex for you. Uh, Steve and I were talking about this last night. It's really interesting that the clone troopers in the, in the Clone Wars campaign guide aren't listed as having cloned as their species. Yeah, and the clone species was introduced in, in the very same, same supplement. guide, yeah. Uh, when, they, when the supplement came out, um, they got an interview with Rodney Thompson on, on the Order 66 podcast, and, and I think it was Jim Chris who asked Rodney, hey, you released all these lovely new clone stat blocks. How come none of them use the new clone species? And if I recall correctly, Rodney simply had this to say, well, it's it's the way it is. <laughs> and uh, you know, no that you know, that couldn't be that couldn't be more more the truth, I think. Hey, I get it. I, I bet they were written at the same time, and so they the stat blocks were all made by the time that the, the species was made. Almost certainly. Thank you so much, Stephen, for not dying this episode. I don't know what I would do next week, to be honest. Hey, you know, um, I'm just happy to be here and still be alive, honestly. <laughs> it's so funny. The hardest, I think the hardest one you've had was probably Forlom, right? That was, that Forlom was hard because like I misheard you. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? I do. And, and you know how much I love behind the scenes trivia. So I got it's the best kind, honestly. I, I, I think so too. I mean, because like, did you know Mace Windu purple? Like, come on. <laughs> Those working on the production of The Empire Strikes Back decided to make the most of shooting on location in Fintz, Norway. When a fierce snowstorm hit the hotel where the cast and crew were, director Irvin Kirshner decided that it was the perfect opportunity to film. He used the storm as a backdrop for Luke escaping the Wampa Cave in Hoth, sending Hamill out into the elements. <laughs> he was like, all right, Mark, you're going to... Yeah. You Mark... You're hanging upside down, you get your lightsaber back, you kill the wampa, and I want you to go right out that door. <laughs> Mark, I don't care if it's two in the morning, I want your ass yeah, out there in yeah, the snow. it's probably really dark, too. <laughs> it's 
the golden hour mark. Come on. <laughs> we got to film this sometime. <laughs> yeah. A great director uses what they have on hand. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's acts of God. Good advice for game masters. Never, never squander an opportunity to seize the opportunity. I kind of butchered that. You get what I'm saying though. Seize the opportunity. Make the most of the given situation. The game state. Uh, Steven and I want to shout out one of our new patrons. Mr. Butts. Thank you so much. Subscribe to our $10 tier while we were recording. We didn't even realize until now. Just in time to vote for the bounty. Just in time to vote for the bounty. Maybe Mr. Butts in his, in his, his infinite wisdom planned this. If you want to vote in the bounty, you can use the support the show link in the bottom of the description. It takes you directly to the Patreon. Any, uh, any tier, you don't have to use the five or the $10 tier. Either tiers work. Sam. Can maybe they're not a fan of having subscriptions? You know what? Do, what if they just sign up for this one month, vote uh, for their bounty, and then cancel? That's totally fine by me. That works for me too. Thank you for listening to the Dark Times podcast. <laughs> the show is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. You can reach out to us via email, darktimesswse at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at darktimesswse. Listen to us on Spotify. Tell your friends. Rate the show. Write a review for the show. We'll read it on the show. We'll thank you for it. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> you forgot the super heavy breathing. Oh, from yeah. There. Like, <sighs> 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 yeah. That's good radio for you. Enjoy that. Good night, everybody. And I'll see you in hell. <laughs> Hey, Tonton will freeze before you reach the third marker. Fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>